Holy Spirit. Did you ever try to describe what God is like or to describe what the life of Jesus meant? How do you do that? Do you state some facts? Do you state history? Do you make an argument? Or do you do what John did and simply sing? That is how the Gospel of John opens with what is thought to have been an ancient hymn. I once heard the great Presbyterian preacher Robert Cleveland Holland, at whose church I was a singer, compared this sort of scripture to Robert Frost's poem that describes the fog coming in on little cat's feet. That description says nothing about fog coming from viewpoints and relative humidity, but says everything about what the experience of fog is like. The poetry of this Gospel's hymn is emotional, more than definitional, but it conveys that humanity and eternity have encountered something immense. That feeling is like stopping to look at a star. It is a, will you look at that moment in Scripture? The Gospel of John's lyrics are truly mystical. They are rhythmic in cadence and in content. They move us back and forth in time, from the time before creation to eternity, from darkness to light, from prophecy to history. The Gospel's Greek is simple, direct, and majestic. The first sentence that starts with, in the beginning was the word, is, and arche, and halagos, kai halagos, and kos hong eon, kai theos, and halagos. I had always read it in that majestic sense until I learned it was a hymn, but it had never occurred to me to say it. It is arguably the most beautiful text in the New Testament. Christmas Eve was seven days ago, and in those days our lectionary has taken us from Luke's helpless infant in a manger, surrounded by animals, his parents, and some shepherds. To this Christmas reading is more of cosmic meaning. The fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, liberation in the spirit, and our gospel's beautiful, commanding poem that places Jesus in the ark of eternity, forever pre-existent and existent with God, touching us in the moment of his humanity. And while this rapid trajectory can Cause some biblical whiplash, it's worth it. For the gospel's opening transports us from Luke's gospel with a baby sleeping in the manger, the mystery of the Messiah born to a fresh peasant and surrounded by animals, to a greater mystery 
to a very large highway sign for all of Earth and all of humanity and all of time that says, God slept here. The light has come into the darkness of time, and God slept here on earth because Jesus was with God, and Jesus, the Word, was God. Perhaps that is why this is in our lectionary at this time. As I sometimes said of the Incarnation, it is the witty solstice of history, and the days don't seem so long, and they no longer seem so dark. It tells that we are not alone, never have been alone, and never will be alone. Simply put, we are moving from the story of Jesus' birth to the meaning of Jesus' birth. After the darkness of Advent, and now on this first Sunday after Christmas, John's Gospel is indeed here to tell us what it all means. When, while Mark's Gospel begins with the ministry of Jesus, the beginning of Matthew's Gospel places Jesus in his scriptural history in lineage with Joseph, and thus Jesus to be of the house and lineage of David, and Luke conveys biographical and birth infancy stories, recording for the first time what was spoken of and known to many in the ancient Christian communities. Placing Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, the city of David, is the fulfillment of prophecy. John's Gospel begins with an apocalyptic tone, not in the sense of the destruction of creation, but in a more cosmic sense, developing a Christology that articulates that Jesus, the Logos, the Word, was pre-existing with God before time and creation began, and that with the incarnation of God's inbreaking presence, Christ is with us now, and that at the end of time, the eternal Christ will be with us all as we are joined to God. John wrote in a time when, for his early Christian community, the days were seeming shorter and the days were growing darker. As the divisions between Judaism and John's community widened and the Roman persecutions loomed, it was this painful moment in history, this darkness, that spawned the spiritual gospel of light, this beautiful, profound hymn that proclaims the goodness and holiness of creation and also recognizes that the human world's response to that holiness has all too often been to turn away from it. I think that we can find some parallels between the Yohanim community of two million, two millennia ago in our own times. We're certainly a divided people. Society is rife with systemic and institutional oppressions, and the world suffers under wars and disease. We have uncertainty in these days, and we are emerging from the pandemic, a time of anger and sadness and loss. As we look at the world around us, 
turning toward the holiness of creation and the light of goodness does not seem to be everyone's first instinct. And as such, the lovely words that describe the transcendent glory of Christ, the Logos, and his eternal and infinite presence in history, can these words not seem distant from the greater problems of the world? The wars, the diseases, the poverty, and the displacement? Can they not seem to overshoot the burdens and fears of our personal lives? Can they not seem to just ignore the small concerns of our lives that can feel like too much? The sort of thing that I believe was described in the newspaper verses of Archie and Mahitable in the 1920s, that it isn't the big stuff that gets me. It's the broken shoestrings and the green baloney. In other words, is the language so lovely that it becomes all Greek to our souls? In this season of Christmas time, in this coming new year, as our days slowly lengthen and brighten, I think that John's gospel complements and culminates, if not crowns, the words of Isaiah, of Paul, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And heard in that context, they do speak to our very souls. The immensity of the words strengthens us. So what the words tell us is that the God who gathers the exiles of Israel and heals the brokenhearted, who counts the number of the stars and calls them by their names, who disarms us with the story of a major infant who grew up and lived and walked and suffered with and for us, and prayed to Abba, Father, as do we, and sustains us by the ever-present Word of God, who through grace upon grace brings light to our darkness and hope to eternity. <laughs> 